I geek out about the show, friends. I geek out about the Boston food scene. I geek out about fitness. Hi, and welcome to She Geeks Out, a podcast where we geek out about all the things. I'm Rachel. And I'm Felicia. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Felish. <laughs> it's still two syllables. It matches. Felish. Yeah. It's, it's a nickname. I, I accept it. Okay. I have a lot of nicknames, but I'm okay with this What's one. your favorite nickname? Um, I think Felish. But oh, okay. I didn't like it for a really long time. Why? Because when I was really little, my parents called me Felish to Dish. And I didn't like it. And then I like, I, I buried it. And huh. then when I was in high school, a bunch of boys started making fun of me one day. And they called me Felish to Dish out of the blue. And I, it was very traumatizing because they didn't huh. know that it was like a buried a f- secret from yeah. my past. And then they used to... <laughs> Um, call me that like mockingly because I was not an attractive not, put together high school But that's not even like person. a clever. It was just like, you know, you'd walk by and it'd be like, foolish to dish. Ugh. And like, so it was terrible. stupid. So anyway, um, when I got to college, I was like, that's I'm reclaiming this nickname. Yeah. So it's my, well, it's not it's even like offensive. Now. Like, I, the, did I ever tell you that the, the nickname that the only nickname that was ever given to me and it was so lame? No. Well, Tell me now. so I'm old. So <laughs> the song that was really popular was Prince Raspberry Beret. Mm. Raspberry Murray. That's not clever. Wait, that was your nickname? No, well, some guy tried to give me this nickname in like eighth grade or something. And that's what he would call me. And I know no one can see me right now except for you, but I am shaking my head. You are SMDH. 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 Let me just tell you, it did not stick. He obviously was in love with me. Obviously, clearly, it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, my teen um, years weren't particularly lovely either. So, but anyway, anyway, we're not here to talk about nicknames. We're here to talk about Jenny Fan. Yes, Jenny, <laughs> who may have nicknames of her own, but we do not know. Yes, um, but yeah. So there. Jenny, um, we actually met Jenny through one of my business school friends, um, Uni, who they both work at this startup in New York called Momfell which is kind of like um, a stitch fix for men. Um, so we got to go when we were in New York uh, last to Bombfell's offices. They have all these cool like yeah. wardrobes set up. Yeah. And we sat down and chatted with Jenny about being a millennial and her career journey. And she's got a really interesting story. Yeah, which so. is like complex. Yes. And really interesting in her art. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you'll hear all about it. So stay tuned record we are officially recording okay hey rachel hey felicia and hi jenny hi hi jenny yeah so we're here with jenny fan she's a product designer at bombfell in new york and jenny actually spoke at our very very first new york event yes. at Silverline in september of 2016 yeah so we're really excited to get you on the podcast finally and we're back in new york yeah we're recording this in january mm-hmm. 2017 <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> only a couple months later but yeah. <laughs> it feels like the world has ended since then yeah yeah, yeah. we can certainly you don't talk need to about feel that, that as well. yeah. actually happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Anyway. laughs> um, we'll try to stay positive, but we don't have to. There's absolutely no rules. Safe there are space. no rules. Okay. Totally safe space. Yeah. I feel so safe. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so you gave a great talk for our little community of um, brave New York souls who came out for that first event. And we'd love to kind of dig into that a little bit more and talk about your journey and what you do. Um, so first, you know, can you tell us a little bit about 
you know, what you do here at Bombfell, how you got here, what do you actually do as a product designer, all that good stuff. Sure. And thank you guys so much for coming to speak with me. I'm yeah. like yeah. a little nervous, but also very, Don't be very nervous. Honest. Don't be nervous. <laughs> we, are, we, we are all about embracing awkward. Because so we are. <laughs> if you're not awkward, we'll be upset. I, I definitely um, fly my geek flag with pride. Yeah. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. So um, right now I'm a product designer at Bombfell. We're a menswear subscription clothing company. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of in-house stylists and our customers sign up. They sign, um, fill in their information on the website and they get paired with a stylist. And my job here is to make sure that the interfaces for that whole process run smoothly. So I have to design not only for our end users, but also mm. all of the stylists we have in-house. Oh, wow. Mm. Right now, um, I'm the only designer. And for uh, for the whole past year, I was the only product person. Really? We wow. just got a new PM who's also female. It's yeah. Awesome. What, what? Um, so very excited to grow our product team here. It's been yeah. very exciting. Awesome. How long has Bombfell been around? I think it's been around for five years. My goodness, I haven't heard of it. Um, it's like, uh, but obviously, well, it's like Stitch Fix for men, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah basically, it's, yeah. it's commonly recognized as that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we don't like to call it that, but sure, if you yeah. must. It's so interesting because it's almost like the reverse thing where you want to have guys be the product designers because it's it's for guys, or do you do you know that do like women buy the stuff for? For guys, we have um we have an in-house like physical product designer as well, and um, team is mixed gender. But I've learned a lot about what it takes to shop, and most of our customers just don't want to be involved with it. And a lot of the people <laughs> that sign up are actually like girlfriends, partners, mm-hmm. wives, that kind of type of thing. Yep, uh, makes sense. Yes. Yep, yeah. How to dress your man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And how long have you been working at Bombfell yourself? I've been here for a little bit over a year, I guess like uh, about a year and like three months. Okay. And since then, my menswear wardrobe has expanded. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Is there, that's really interesting, actually. Do you find that you gravitate towards certain pieces? Yeah, I wear a lot of outerwear, like pants just don't really matter. But mm-hmm. I think we've, we're seeing something in the fashion world in general where there's more ungendered and unisex clothing. Yeah. I know yeah. Zara's carrying that line. And for me, I don't come from a fashion background, so all of this is fascinating to me, like the difference between a button-up and a button-down. Wait, what's the difference? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, one, of our cu- uh, one of our customers actually called us out on this, but a button-down has um, buttons on the collar, so it can stay down. Huh. Oh, so, yeah. I had no idea. That's something that we don't have to worry about, <laughs> I guess, right? I guess. Well, yeah. maybe we could if we choose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I've got enough okay. wardrobe issues to, <laughs> to worry about. That's super um, interesting. But your background actually is kind of interesting because you, like you said, first of all, are not you were not from fashion, mm-hmm. and then you also tell us about what you originally started out doing yeah. with like your schooling and everything because yeah, sure. it's very different. So I went to um, University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, mm-hmm. planning on becoming an investment banker. Yeah, as was, most of those people do. Yeah, um, and well, this was decided um, with no knowledge whatsoever of what a banker does. And as a senior <laughs> in high school, I had um, I had like worked really hard in school, you know, got into a great school, and was just told. At that point, I didn't I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I heard, oh, you know, I like the analytical side. I like the creative side. I was having a good time in economics because I liked how it would capture all these macro level influences. Mm. And it was not, in hindsight, not very much related to what you actually do as economist. Mm. But um, I thought, okay, I'll just do business. So I applied and um, found my way there. And um, it was very shocking for me at that point because 
my whole background as a Asian American growing up in Texas and my parents being in the medical and science industry, I felt like an outsider culturally, um, economically, because we, we were lucky enough to experience upward mobility as mm -hmm. an immigrant family. Um, but also just even like in terms of class, going to an Ivy League school where everyone came from so many different backgrounds, from people that started out with almost nothing to people that are like generations of wealth and they just have so many more resources. It was very interesting for me because um, I realized there's this whole culture around banking and the, I guess the cultural elite that's becoming such a you know relevant topic today. Mm. So for banking, I had no idea what to expect. I tried to study finance for a few years and just um, like my body rejected it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It wasn't working out for me. And um, at the same time, I had so many other different interests. I really liked graphic design I was very interested in anthropology and history and psychology, um, and I took a variety of classes, especially around technology and society. Hmm. And in the end, I decided to kind of um, split the difference, I guess, and go into consulting, mm -hmm. which for me that felt like, okay, I'll get to talk, work through all these different high-level uh, problems and get to work with all these different industries. And consulting is an industry that is marketed really well to high achieving college students mm -hmm. because it lets you basically not commit to anything. But <laughs> well, you can do like a little bit of everything. Yeah, you can do a little of. bit of everything. Yeah. That's that's how they say it. But um, <laughs> truthfully, um, you go in because you're not super sure, and it's well paying, and you'll yeah. you're gonna get some hotel points, and it, it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> hotel points. But I think um, it while it was a great experience. Um, if I had spent more time focusing in college, I might have like cut out two or three years of my life. Mm. But um, as a consultant, I worked very tangentially related to a lot of different industries and mm. never felt like I could be as tied to um, the actual businesses and that their actual goals. Mm. So from then, I spent a lot of time working like nine to five on my consulting project and then the other nine to five, um, like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m., working a mix of freelance projects, personal projects, just whatever would, um, I could, anyone would let me pick up. And at that point, I had been web designing for almost 10 years as a hobby, mm. graphic design. Mm. And, um, when I graduated in tw 2012, it was when user experience was just starting to become a huge thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was, of course, like in the circles, um, already very established and, you know, Apple and the design led culture and Airbnb was already very prominent. But for people outside of the industry, I think there was even, um, among the same group of my cohort that would have gone into traditional baking jobs, the technology was starting to draw them in. Right, and, right. um, I started seeing this flux of people going into product management, product design. And for me, user experience and the process of going into design just made everything click into place. Yeah. You have to cover so much knowledge, not only um, on a high level market perspective, like what consultants have to understand, yeah. but also like the graphics and the aesthetics yeah. and just really um, something I really liked is being able to empathize with your users. And that brought the kind of human connection that I felt like I hadn't had so far. Yeah. And what I really loved about your talk and kind of your experience too, is that um, you have done a lot of self-educating. And so obviously like you went to Wharton and you did the college experience and that's the very traditional route, but then you also taught yourself a lot of these skills, which you're now actually using. And I think that's like a real testament to people out there who may not be sure of what they want to do and, and kind of like showing that you can actually pursue your passions and combine it with your professional life at some point too. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> oh, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> what else? Would you like me to yeah. say more? <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> uh, I, I, put, I thought about this a little bit between the talk and um, this podcast as yeah. well. And um, I think like that 
there's a, like the ter- there's a term autodidacticism, mm. which is like really fancy, but it's basically <laughs> just self-directed learning. Mm-hmm. I think there are some um, niche communities of parents that are all about like I think it's called unschooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not like super confident in how effective unschooling is, but um, for me. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about unschooling for people uh, sure. who might be? <laughs> uh, well, I have a very um, rudimentary understanding, yeah. but I think it's the general idea that if you leave kids alone, they'll go explore. Uh, uh, like the world is your yes. teacher. It's kind of like hippy dippy. <laughs> well, my parents were like that. Like that's why we never went to a summer camp because um, they were like strong believers that we should figure stuff out on our own. Oh yeah, and just do it on our own. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it, it was funny for me because I came from a very different mindset. Like again, if you're like an Asian American family. Um, they, when you, when you're growing up, your test grades are everything, especially like quantitative skills, because mm-hmm. it's perceived as something more reliable that you can always find employment in mm. when the truth is, you know, the market is always changing Absolute and you have right. to be so adaptive. Um, I, and w- nothing is certain anymore, especially yeah. these days. <laughs> yes. That's the lesson we've learned very harshly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> um and, uh, in, when I was in college, I read this really interesting article, I think it was by Wesley Yang called paper tigers. And this was around the time when Amy Chua's book, uh, Battle Home of the Tiger Mother, came yeah. out. Yeah. And that was like, um, it was kind of like a, it, it felt like someone had written about me. And I think that was like an awakening that many Asian Americans felt in school. Because mm. from youth, you're trained to memorize. And this is something that happens at the macro scale in schools in Asia. But you have to focus so hard on grades, grades, grades. And then once mm. you graduate, you have to be faced with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I ended up doing um, the 2020 project, which we might talk about later. Yes, yeah, let's, have... let's talk about that. Yeah, Because that was the first thing that I looked at when I first got introduced to you. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was such a cool project. So tell us more about what that is and how you came to start it cool um i at the risk of sounding like a typical millennial when i graduated from college um i was first of all like very lucky and had a great leg up i had a job um and i had the support of a loving family but i was still like facing the rest of my life yeah um, with like the big what's what now what <laughs> yeah, do i do, do now? You know me? very intimidating yeah. like yeah. now what <laughs> um especially moving into new york as a transplant um there's this idea it's a very transient city and a lot of people are moving through moving through careers um and i felt like at risk of slipping into this path of just uncertainty and wandering um i felt it was actually a very lonely feeling because outside of the community that you feel in college and the sense of purpose and identity you suddenly are by yourself in this big city trying to figure out the rest of your life and i really envied people that um had that sort of self-direction although now in hindsight i think most of those people have gone through some sort of soul searching to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a little bit of digging and um, there was this idea by David Brooks that um, call- he-, he wrote an article in the New York times in 2007, talking about the odyssey years and um, how there used to be just like four phases of life, which are childhood, adolescence, adulthood, and old age. Mm-hmm. Now there is this odyssey gap in between childhood and adulthood that is usually marked by like a decade of wandering frequently. Mm-hmm. And, um, partially you know extended life and social conditions and people are getting married later and later yeah. and people and uh many people's parents are aging well so there's not that burden of child care on one end and senior care right. on the other it's um it's a remarkable burden that's been lifted but also this type of confusion at what we're supposed to be doing and a lot of that results in wandering so for me i started having these conversations just with friends um i had a really good friend that was crashing on my couch 
Uh, she was supposed to be there for two weeks and stayed for two years. Two <laughs> years? What? It, oh it was awesome, though. Um, wow. and o- only the kind of thing you can do when you're like 22, 23. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and in talking, these uh, many of these friends were from college. And I realized that um, everything that we felt, whether it was attitudes towards risk or our family or cultural upbringing or how we felt about um, how like financials should be used was totally different. And it was a deeper level of conversation than what I was used to having. Mm. Um, I think especially because I went to a school that is kind of like an aggregate of all the different types of people that end up wandering there. Mm. We were all doing very similar things, but our backgrounds were so different mm. that I thought it was interesting to start documenting. And um, the Billfold was a blog that also uh, was very inspiring. Both the Billfold and another creative magazine called creative discontent mm-hmm. but they interviewed these people um about either like how they use their money and then for creative discontent like where they got their creative process and in having that long extended conversation i felt very close to them and uh seeing all those people work out how they were figuring out their 20s was kind of inspiring for me mm-hmm. um, i learned from them and got a lot of um, takeaways and actually through the process I think I kind of found my own se- mm. sense of a direction well because you so you interviewed 20 20 somethings yeah. and you were one of the interviews yourself mm-hmm. um, and the interviews are pretty long actually like because yeah. I feel with the web it tends yeah. to be a little bit shorter because yeah. we have like snippets and links and this and that mm-hmm. but your interviews are quite long which is unusual mm-hmm. um, but was there any like things that struck you or surprised you when you were going through and, at, and talking to people? And did you know everyone that you were talking to? Yeah, I knew everyone. Although towards the end, I knew them less well. I started reaching out to people in the community. And if I could do this again, I wish I could reach out to people I didn't know at all. And also people that were in very different situations than me. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a much broader wealth of um, diversity and different stories. Um, so you're going to pick it up again? Do you maybe think? you can do the 30-30 oh, project. Yeah. yeah. It, it, took, it took two years to <laughs> finish well, this one. Well, you've got a decade yeah, to that's true. 30 project. <laughs> yeah. that'd, be, that'd be really cool. Um, I think for me, this project was very largely mostly personal. Um, so I never thought too much about how it was going to get received. And I think that's kind of a trend I'm seeing in how I work creatively as well, um, which is maybe like a shortcoming i wasn't thinking too much about the audience but more so what it felt like to me so it's almost more like an art project Mm. Um, and because of it you have these long lengthy interviews because i didn't i probably didn't cut and edit as much but um i thought that was an interesting comment in itself actually because when it comes to creative output so much now relies on smart curation yes yeah Yeah. and um it's i think it's as a it's a skill that many young creatives are not very good at. And Mm. for me, that was something I was working on back then too. Mm. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, Well, so we also touched a little bit on this briefly before. So you actually were born in China. Mm -hmm. Then you came to Texas. Yes. Then you went to Philly for school. Then you came to New York. So, Mm um, you know, where does home feel like, like what's home for you? Um, Where do you feel like you're most tied to? There was somebody in uh, that I interviewed for that project who was a third culture kid that I asked this question to, and she had an answer I really liked, and it was um, "Home is where you carry with you," because um, her family was like traveling everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it's I think a, a harder question. Um, although when I when I was younger, I think um, I felt I wanted to be like the same sort of cookie cutter Southern Texan, like mostly white, um, yeah. like. 
American that I saw around mm -hmm. me. Um, and when I was 10, I went to China for the first time and felt like, okay, everyone looks like me. I should be fine. But I was terrible at Chinese. I mm. didn't fit into any of the cultural mm. norms. I didn't understand what was going on. Even mm. the toilets are different there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, a rude awakening <laughs> if you don't know what, what to expect. Um, so that, that was, um, that set off like probably like a decade of identity confusion. Um, Which I think is really common yeah, for yeah. kids of immigrants or people who are immigrants themselves. Like I know in my family, like, you know, I've experienced that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this idea around like labeling and yeah. how you choose to label yourself or how you want to label yourself and how other people label you. And, you know, there's all these really multi-layered issues at, at work. Definitely. I, I know there are like identity politics on being a hyphenated American. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like a PC way to fall about it. But I've always felt like I was Asian hyphen American. Okay. Um, or yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure how, how that sorts out, but, um, both my ethnic culture and my citizenship and like civic engagement with America are, I think, equally important to me. And especially, um, given the current election and what's going on in America, I actually feel more civically engaged and mm. more like accountable and more part of the community than ever before. And I've started doing things like volunteering with the mm -hmm. community, um, been more interested in local politics. And uh, sometimes it takes a slap in the face to, yeah. to get there. Yeah, sure. well, that's I've been saying yeah. that's like the the best thing about the, the only redeeming thing about <laughs> the way the election went is that yeah. I think we all got a slap in the face. Giant Definitely slap in the face. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> when did you move here to? Well, when did you move to Texas from China? So I moved here um, to I moved to America um, when I was two. Okay. So by way of New York and then moving to Texas. Wow. Yeah. So it's like you kind of came full circle. Yeah. A bit. And, yeah. <laughs> what it's, brought your family to Texas? Um, my parents are cancer researchers and Houston oh, has one okay. of the, the yeah, best cancer yeah. research centers. Oh, awesome. I see. So in your family, like the fact that you are kind of pursuing now this more creative path, mm -hmm. has that been like an issue or? I think my dad asked me for um, like years, even like after graduating college, like, are you sure you don't want to go to med school? <laughs> like, oh, that ship has sailed. <laughs> but you never um, know. <laughs> it, it's fun to me because um i think they're starting to see like oh i have no idea what this new economy is um like i think they still think i do like clothing design as a designer <laughs> yeah. and they're like, when are you going to make the next like ralph lauren and uh, like never <laughs> but um it's growing up especially has been awesome like i wish i could tell my t early 20 or like teenage self not to worry because um all of the uncertainties I felt about embarking on a career in design originally have more or less been assuaged, especially because honestly, um, really lucky technology is a great industry to do design in. There's yeah. so much support and, um, the, the financials of it bear out. Yeah. So like mm -hmm. my business side is like everything checks out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you also consider yourself an artist, but you don't work only in digital. Like you've actually worked in other mediums. So mm -hmm. what other mediums have you worked in and what's maybe your like most favorite? I really like um, just traditional like painting, drawing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really cool like drink and draw events around New York City that are fun to go to. Like like a paint night thing or? Um, it's like. You, oh yeah, drink and draw. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like paint night. That's what's in <laughs> Or Boston is it way. more like informal where you like drink and then. They, uh, it can vary. I, I've <laughs> seen. the worst. I'm like. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
I'm doing a terrible job at trying to pick this apart. <laughs> the, the one I go to, you um, just pay, I think it's like $10, and they hire a live figure model. Oh. So you can just draw, and they just give you unlimited beers. But honestly, the poses are like 15 seconds, like 30 seconds. It's really just, quick. You're scrambling. There's no time for beer. You're like stress drinking. It's, <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound relaxing at all. <laughs> it's it's fun if you like to draw. And I think the good thing about like 30-second sketches is you nobody, mm. can, nobody looks good 30 seconds in. <laughs> so it's all about the raw expression yeah for sure wow that's deep okay i get it but um i think actually i've recently become more interested in digital art especially like data visualization yeah Um, and that's different from infographics um because infographics i I think of that as like glorified clip art honestly yeah Um, but data visualization (laughs) is trying to take this like massive amount and then find insights and display it in a way that is not only aesthetically pleasing but also communicates a point so i think that's like the pinnacle of like graphic design do you do that at bombfeld um, I don't have as many opportunities to do it. Yeah. I often try to do it for personal work mm. and, um, especially, you know, I'm getting more interested in, um, with the city and New York has a open data collab yes. initiative. Mm-hmm. So you can access a lot of work and there's a ton of meetups that support that. So most of my, um, outside learning now is trying to get competent with like data analysis, visualizing it. Um, there's a really good JavaScript library called D3 that I love. And awesome. Mm-hmm building it together is there anything that's out there and available that people can look at for data visualization or am i putting you on the spot and there's absolutely nothing that's out there <laughs> most of it <laughs> which is totally fine that's most what i do it, is i make people feel terrible about themselves no. <laughs> i think good job <laughs> you're welcome i'm definitely still a student here but um i think i can like if anyone else any listeners are interested like most books by i think his name is edward tufty oh yeah tufty yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that there's a lot of good work there and um information is beautiful there's so many blogs by people that are much more talented than me oh. yeah you should give us a list of your favorite blogs and we'll include it with oh yes. yeah that's yeah. a really good idea I have some recommended reading that's yeah, great yeah definitely that's awesome. great I dabbled in this stuff myself a little bit oh, cool. like many 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 years ago data visualization and UX I, I had like a semester at Bentley which has a really big UX department oh yeah so it's it's important work and hard <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's talk about what yeah. you geek out about yes. besides all the stuff it's that we just thing. I know, there was covered. so much. I know. Because you have described yourself as a huge or humongous geek. Oh, and yeah. What do you actually like geek so out about? Maybe that, that people may not may or may not know yeah. about you. This was, um, if you had asked me about a year ago, I would have been cool. But I, I was so, 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 so deeply obsessed with Hamilton and <laughs> all of like Lin-Manuel's like brain children. Um, <laughs> uh, so I... I bought tickets, I think, like, one and a half years ago for his show and saw it a few months ago, maybe, like, two <laughs> months ago. Um, so I bought it very much in advance. But I really like hip-hop. I really like history. And I really like um, the narrative that he weaves with Hamilton. So mm-hmm. I, like, went through every cycle of obsession, like, reading all of the genius entries, contributing to the genius entries wow. um, like uh, the, on, like, Rap Genius Um and like memorizing all the songs, finding the hip hop references, finding oh, wow. the his- history references. So you like really went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love uh, that. But what I was telling you about like my interest in civic engagement, a mm. lot of that actually came from related reading to Hamilton. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. like, I started reading a lot about um, like problems the founding fathers worked on. Um, There's a really funny book called, um, I think, um, Lafayette in the Partly United States oh. about um, Lafayette's opinions and like observations as he came back to America after, and this was a like a more like a nonfiction book. Yeah. So 
um, going through what he saw in America. And um, a lot of the, I thought the my interest in this last year seemed kind of timely because a lot of the issues that were around in the beginning of America still persist today. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a relief because it really felt like the world isn't ending, but also just interesting to go back to the roots and see maybe systemically what things, what institutions were built then that mm. persist today. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but you also mentioned, so you have started to do more around civic stuff and like volunteering. Are there any particular causes that you're working with um, right now or are you still exploring that? I'm really interested in um, reducing food waste and just mm. um, general waste in New York City. Yeah. Well, the yeah. good good issue for here. Yeah. <laughs> in general, rather. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, apparently, I mean, it's pretty surprising. I think New York City is actually pretty um, efficient because of just the the population density. Yeah. But just walking around, it's um, it really sucks to see. Especially where my office is in the Garment District near Port yeah. Authority. Yeah. There's a lot of homelessness, and um, the it, uh, at the same time, while there's homelessness, there's also a lot of food being thrown out. Um, and I'm volunteering with a group that a friend of a friend started called Rescuing Leftover Cuisine. Yes, yeah. that's a new thing that I think that there are a couple of other organizations. I feel like there's one in Boston also oh, that's yeah. starting that as well. Yeah, yeah please talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think also like City Harvest does it on a large scale. Yeah, yeah. But in small pedestrian cities, a lot of smaller um, restaurants have to throw out their food at the end of the day when there's a shelter maybe like down the block. Right. So they have this network of volunteers that will manually bring it from one place to another. Yeah. So I've been volunteering and also trying to help do a little bit of their design and their. Oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah. And then when you are actually talking about manually bringing the food are you given the food from these places or are you like i'm having a vision of dumpster diving and like oh. rescuing the food oh yeah we, we work with the the organization so okay. we show up and they give it to us okay I think dumpster diving is also interesting to me yes it's a whole veganism. culture yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's it varies like sometimes i'll be picking up like one sandwich and then sometimes i'll be picking up like eight trays of indian food uh, wow but it's it's nice at least because the Root is very, um, it's usually pretty close and it's, you can always directly see people that are going to eat it. Oh, okay. So it's like the. That's powerful. The, yeah. The incentive system is well built. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and you were talking about the, your civic engagement as well and mm -hmm. supporting local elections. I know it's early 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be here before we know it, I'm sure. Are there any particular initiatives or candidates that you've heard of that you're excited by? I'm not um, honestly as attuned yet, um, yeah. but I think there's a lot more grassroots movements that are popping up and yeah. just trying to get involved. Um, it's because I grew up from in Houston, where it's a pretty big city. I felt yeah. very removed from municipal politics, but um, I think there are a lot of towns in across America, especially a few of my friends from college. Their parents were like the local mayor and vice mm -hmm. mayor, yeah. um, and they were, it, it's like these small towns of like hundred thousand people or yeah. less. Um, and I, I really like that idea. So um, I think it, that's just a kind of like a little nugget of little an idea. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not to go too far back, but I'm kind of curious. So you came to Texas when you were two. How long were you in Texas for? Um, between, I think, the ages of like 7 to 18. Oh, 7 to 18. So, so you, you were in New York also then for between 2 and 7? Yeah. Ah, so you had some experience. Like, were you in the city? Yeah, I was um, in Upper East Side. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So you were in the 
public schools in New York City when you mm-hmm. were a kid. So coming back as an adult, I mean, I know seven being seven yeah. isn't like <laughs> I remember exactly how I felt when I was seven, <laughs> but in some ways, is there does it feel like this is? And we just talked about home before, so I don't I don't want to go back to that, but sort of like a familiarity. Definitely. New York feels more comfortable than almost anywhere else. I see like more similarities between New York and Shanghai yeah. than like New York and a lot of other cities in America. Um, and even my friends that grew up here, I think there's a certain like diversity that they're very lucky to have here. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a host of other issues and the downsides of it. Yeah. But it, even though Texas is a very or Houston's a very big city. It, the experience is very different. Oh, it's totally different. Yeah. Like, I went to Houston the first time a few years ago for a friend's wedding, and mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't handle this city. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy. It's Why like, can't you handle it? Because you have to drive everywhere. Oh. And, like, we went on a Friday night at 8 p.m. looking for somewhere to have dinner, and we couldn't find anywhere because everything was closed. <laughs> it's it's a huge city. How is that possible? <laughs> it's, like, way too hot to really do anything and if you're walking people look at you like yeah, what's wrong be with you like you're a weirdo you know where we ended up was we went to the suburbs to have dinner at like a cheesecake factory oh, oh that's fancy. what happened and i was like i can't believe this is happening <laughs> to you right now okay yeah but, fair yeah. that sounds that sounds challenging but anyway but yeah the diversity <laughs> issue i'm sure is is quite yes quite real <laughs> it's uh, quite different yeah. um but so your journey has been like very you know winding and interesting and it's still not even like close to you know who knows where you'll end up but looking ahead right now yeah. what's sort of like the big vision for you what's what's your next step do you no think? pressure oh yeah oh um, big vision <laughs> so <laughs> i put a little bit of thought to this um and kind of along the roots of like self-directed learning mm-hmm. um a few of my friends are have started this idea of like a master's degree of life Mm. Um, and trying to be more um, explicit about what types of things I want to work on in my life okay. and how to get there. So there's just so many things that you can learn. Like for me, um, not only in like the liberal arts fields and history and also more tactical skills like programming and mm-hmm. um, art. And um, But it also ex- expands to things like um, like working out and being athletic and yeah. just having a, a well-rounded life. Um, yeah. I like, yeah. It's like very deliberate. I, I really like your approach. Like looking at aspects and kind of working on them because yeah. a lot of people don't think about it that way I don't think yeah so, agreed yeah. yeah um so tell us who or what inspires you um so I think I'm really inspired by um a few thinkers out there that are very interdisciplinary and they're like bloggers um I think her name is Maria Popova but she does brain pickings oh love her mm, yeah she's brilliant she's actually one of the very few people that does very long form blog yeah. posts yeah and she's like a queen of curation yes um and so I'm a big fan of brain pickings I'm also a big fan of Farnham Street which I think mm. is run by a guy named Shane Parrish that mm. also has a podcast mm. um yeah. and he he I think like much more coherently describes what I'm interested in, which is a lot of like thinking about how to think. Mm. So he has this whole suite of interesting mental models that comes mm. from physics, from economics, business, law, all these mm. different areas. And he's really good at describing how you can use them as like tools in your everyday life. Mm. And um, he also reads very, very voraciously and will do does a really good job of distilling like three things I learned from this, three things I learned from this. Nice. And I always get little good little thought nuggets. nuggets. Do yeah. you have any examples, any little nuggets from from that guy? 
There's, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're putting me under so much pressure. I lost everything. There's a quote um, I really liked that I just read yesterday um, from another, not from Shane Parrish, from, um, this is from Tob- Tobias Sven Schneider, who mm. is most well known, I think, for being a product designer at Spotify. Mm. Um, he quoted Seneca, who said, uh, he who suffers before it is necessary suffers more than necessary. Yeah. And for so all, true, yeah. Like, hashtag true. Yeah. For all the overthinkers <laughs> and overplanners in the world, it was um, a good reminder. Seriously. Yeah. Oh my god, that really spoke to me. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I know we try oh, not to man. overthink things. It makes yeah. things a lot easier. Um, so, what are your core values? Um, so I think obviously learning. Yeah. But beyond that, <laughs> if I like had to get this like tattooed, um, <laughs> I think the the very. Um, Pithy one is uh, substance over style. Mm, yeah. Which is ironic. Which is interesting. And ironic because you work in fashion. (laughs) Yeah. As a a product designer in fashion, um, style, of course, is very important. But I I actually really love working here and love working with my coworkers, especially the stylists, because the number one thing they tell you, and I've asked them many times on how to look better, is (laughs) you just got to wear what makes you comfortable and what makes you you. Yes. And I was like, this is this is why you guys are the best. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Yep. And um it's like to tie that back to like the whole 2020 project and just being so, so uncertain. Like at the time it felt like a second puberty, like the puberty of adulthood. Yeah. Like I don't know who I am and what I'm doing. <laughs> um, my skin's yeah. breaking out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um that was a few years ago now, and while I and I'm still like very young and I haven't seen anything that is too um like revelatory I think um, as you get older you stop giving a fuck (laughs) and um, you just get much more comfortable with yourself yeah for sure I feel like you settle into who you are really like in that the odyssey years as you put it yeah Um, at least that's how it was for me like I really needed that decade to Mm -hmm. figure out who I was to stop giving a fuck (laughs) so yeah this is definitely going to be an e-rated I know. It's fine. Well, it's totally whatever. fine. Nick will be fine with it. Safe space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. I think the 20s were the worst for me personally. But And so it's it's nice to hear that other people are talking about it as the Odyssey years when I was calling yeah, it the, yeah. oh my God, please let these end years. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Odyssey so. is like one guy is lost for yes. 10 years. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> Falling apart boat. Right. I know. And, and I think it's so interesting if you approach it in a way where you're like, where you don't feel as much of a need to control mm-hmm. things. I can see why the Odyssey could be really cool because you're just exploring. But if you're a control freak like I am, then it's really terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun to journal and document those mm. days. I, I Honestly, some months were so bad I didn't want to write anything, but yeah. I really wish I did because when you're at your lowest, um, it's crazy to see the progression that you've had. Yeah. Um, Do you keep a journal or like a process, a thought, a thought book? God, I can't talk at all. <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Process book. Do you keep uh, a process book? <laughs> I've I've blogged pretty regularly since I was 17, which is hilarious wow. and awful to look at your teenage and it's out there. Like, it's, it's it's out there, but I will never give the link out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, today or this year at least, I've also started um, journaling just every mm, day. And yeah. That's great because no filter, the stupid things you did all day. Because um, I think um, with the rise of like medium and just yeah. so much pressure to have a carefully crafted mm-hmm. um, persona, and especially I think as a tech product designer, I, I do feel that pressure. And of course, there's like imposter syndrome and all oh, those yeah. things. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't always have the, what it takes, I think, to have a cra- beautiful crafted Instagram and medium. <laughs> so just like 
word vomiting at the end yeah, of the day sure. can be so therapeutic. Yeah. Well, cause I've been keeping a journal since I was very young and yeah, totally hear you like some, some years it's <laughs> a little more sparse than others. Um, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting and enlightening to go back and reread some stuff and be like, wow, I didn't know anything or like, wow, I was so deep or like, wow, I'm really <laughs> bad at writing poetry. Um, and I actually stopped really blogging because my dad reads my blog oh. and yeah, not cool. It's yeah. so, not cool. Sorry. Dad. I, I always want to journal cause it seems like a really good idea and I have terrible penmanship and it just seems like a really hard thing. And then it's like, can okay, you do well, it like the Doogie Hauser style where you just, yeah, type just it up. on the computer, like, <laughs> I can have my own on my, yeah, then I'm just like, <laughs> even then, I, that's probably the only way that I could see myself doing it. But I do understand that there's a ton of value and I could probably sleep better at night if I just word vomited. Also. No, that's how I look at it. Cause like, yeah. I think about a lot of stuff all the time as yeah. you know, well, yeah. and sometimes it really helps just get it out there. And yeah. like you said, Jenny, like not have it be crafted or nice or have a message or a point. No one's seeing it except for you. Yes. And then mm-hmm. you get it out there and then you're like, ah, so much better now. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to ask you the next question. Cause I feel like you may have answered it already, but is there, are th- cause you've given already so many pearls of wisdom um, in this, in this talk, is there some other piece of advice that you received that from somebody that, you know, there's, um, a really good oatmeal. I looked this up. So. I love oh oatmeal. My, yeah. I'd love it. Yeah. Oatmeal is great. Um, best. like so, some things are just like, and the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, both are, both are quite enjoyable. Um, for the cartoon, um, sometimes there, there's like ones that you're just like, snickering at and then sometimes ones that just make you want to cry but the one i really liked was um he talked about creativity is like breathing mm. um and especially you're we're so un- inundated with all these new facts and new things and new sources and things to read um you're just like constantly inhaling or um and sometimes you just need to breathe and exhale mm. and um create some work too and i i view that as a creative person as a how you balance like being okay with yourself when you just want to watch TV or you just want to do something else that's yeah. not constantly producing. Yeah. Um, like the, the balance of creation versus consumption, I mm-hmm. think is a, a tricky one, but the importance of just letting yourself breathe and explore both ends of that process is really I important. I love that. I'm going to take that in, Jenny. I'm breathing that in yeah. actually. <laughs> that is excellent. I love that. So um, you've also probably already answered this, <laughs> but what are you actually reading right now? It could be a blog, a book, or what's what's sort of on your nightstand? The oatmeal, oh, yeah. a comic, yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, I'm really, int- I'm almost done with a book I'm really enjoying called The Dark Net by Jamie Bartlett. Ooh. I, it was literally one of those books. Um, I rarely walk into bookstores anymore, but I saw it, and the cover is very striking. Oh, so it like pulled you in, yeah. Oh. And um, especially with um, all the weird stuff that's going on with like internet privacy and security, <sighs> net neutrality, yeah. 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 And um, it's weird for me now. I'm, like people that have been around for longer are gonna roll their eyes, but like I remember how different it was um, <laughs> when I first started going on the internet, and a lot of the land. Uh, milestones that the book discusses in the development of internet communities, I remember um, at this point. So the book covers like cryptocurrencies and it covers a lot like Usenet, mm-hmm. um, Tor, the Onion Router, um, and a lot of like the darker, seedier, or wow. at least um, off the radar t- aspects of the internet mm-hmm. and a lot of the communities that support it. And more and more, I think it's starting to surface and tie into mainstream politics. Like Bitcoin is really making a splash. Obviously, it's actually like probably 
past the peak of the Gartner hype cycle. But um, <laughs> just being able to understand it as a whole has been very interesting. Super interesting. And on a much lighter note, there's actually this podcast that I recently discovered called Internet Explorer, oh. which is the best name for a podcast. <laughs> um, I love it already. It's great. It's these uh, two bits of BuzzFeed podcast, and they... They talk, they talk about like the dark parts of the internet, but not, not the dark parts like what you were talking about, like dark net, which is a specific thing. Uh-huh. But they just talk about like the stuff that like, I'm just going to call us normies, like people <laughs> who like normally look at the internet, right? There's like this whole other subculture of stuff yeah. that like, we don't even know about that's happening. Oh gosh, and the, the I last to go listen ep- to that. It's kind of amazing. In the I last episode, I want to be a I want to <laughs> learn more. Well, it's great. It's like getting the Cliff Notes version and not have to actually go down those rabbit holes. They just inform you of them. <laughs> and uh, and the last one they did was the worst of the of 2016, oh. which was terrible, by the way, but very interesting so on a related right. note yeah. i think i heard of a podcast where they just review the weirdest things you can buy on amazon <laughs> yeah that's, that's amazing i'm sure a whole like never-ending source <laughs> of stuff there but, all right yeah well we have like one question left it's your favorite it new is question. my favorite your so favorite this is a new question uh-huh. um that we've just started asking like we literally just asked this for the first time mm-hmm. yesterday yeah um and she gave an amazing answer oh. so no pressure no <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> I'm so burned. <laughs> so much build up. Um, so what song do you consider to be your personal anthem? I think the song is from Hamilton. Nice. Uh, no surprise there. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Uh, nonstop, which is yes. the beginning, I think, of the... I think it's the beginning of the... Actually, it's it's right after the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it talks about Hamilton going from wartime life to his civilian life and it covers all these different topics but the idea that he's writing because he's running out of time i sometimes feel like that too and that's what gets me out of the out of bed every morning and just keeps me like rushing forward and um i i love hamilton so much because you can see yourself in multiple characters and also for my admiration for the historical figure but um like sometimes you know i'll wake up feeling like i'm running out of time and sometimes i feel like tentative and wondering what I'm waiting for, very Burr-like. So um, <laughs> it's it's a very wide-spreading, or the, the song is very comprehensive. Mm-hmm. I think it's an excellent answer also. <laughs> I think you gave just as good an answer. Thanks. <laughs> I, not being Unlike, judged at all. <laughs> no, no, no. You're super being judged, but in a totally <laughs> loving way. <laughs> we said it's a safe space. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh, before oh, yeah. we go, is yeah. there anything you want to tell our listeners about? Plug, um share where to find you oh like about myself yeah, yeah. sure um, i mean well, or other stuff if you want yeah <laughs> oh really it's about you um well <laughs> my website is just my name jennyfan.com um, and that's jenny with a y yeah jenny with a y okay. f with a f like frank yeah <laughs> f- fan is in the the actual yeah, like the ceiling fan, fan. Like ceiling yeah fan. <laughs> um my my random factors i didn't know this but you can rent ebooks from the new york city library ah what um, I was like so pleased. Um, I just got a Kindle and I'm obsessed, but I can't keep buying Amazon yeah. uh, ebooks. And you can just rent it and it's just there. It's publicly available. That's mind blowing. Yeah. I wonder if guys, publicly you're like too. 10 years behind. Well, no, not book, like ebooks. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm super behind. So it's really Dude, embarrassing. So <laughs> See, she's the judging one, not me. <laughs> I was checking out like real books and toting them around everywhere, but I, I almost, I was like, 
I grew up in the library. It was like my daycare. My mom just dropped me off there. Yeah. And I was like volunteered there growing up. So my whole life, like my library has been a safe space. Um, so I just wanted to give it a plug. I, I donated yeah. to it when I discovered that you could. That's oh, lovely. So, yeah, I just wanted to encourage other people to read. Great. Yeah. So Jenny Fan and New York Public Library eBooks. Yeah. Love it. Super right. behind fact. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, yeah, Jenny, for doing thank this. You. Really appreciate it. I feel like I have a whole like reading list now. I know. That I have to get, in, get going on. I know for the train ride back. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Thanks to all our listeners for spending some time geeking out with us. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and review us on iTunes. Every review helps. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next interview. And tell all your friends. New episodes drop every Tuesday. (laughs) Check us out at She Geeks Out on all the things. And in case you're wondering what those things are, they are Twitter, Insta, FB, otherwise known as Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website, of course. Bye, Rachel. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia.